Happy National Hot Tea Month, everyone. This is Ricardo, and here's the warm, comforting mug of offerings you can listen to in the Popping Collars feed in January 2022. The Popping Collars crew goes back for a refill of our favorite music videos this month. Did we miss your favorite last year? See if we give it a shout out this time around. Speaking of music, we have brewed up a new side project for 2022. Check out the first episode of the PC Music Diary, where one of the Popping Collars hosts dives deep into a meaningful song. This month, Greg talks about Cherub Rock by the Smashing Pumpkins. Going On 30 is stirring things up again with a new set of movies for 2022. Betsy and Greg kick things off with the Coen brothers' Barton Fink. Dan Jocelyn Simatowski is sweetening things up for a new Sacred Six. He and Greg are talking about historic moments from the national pastime Major League Baseball through the lens of sacramental theology. They lead off with a conversation about the baptism of a new America when Jackie Robinson integrated the game. Finally, don't miss Tea Time with the PC Book Club this month. Liz and I share the New York Times Top 10 of 2021 and our brand new recommendations for the year. Pull up a chair, grab a scone, and don't forget to keep those pinkies out and those collars pop. Welcome back to a brand new Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode. That's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. With me is my brand new special guest. You may remember him from our Sons of Anarchy episode many, many moons ago. Stan Joslin Simitowski, everybody. Welcome back to Popping Collars, Dan. Thank you very much, Greg. It's great to be here. That Sons of Anarchy episode was a long time ago. A long time ago. Things have changed since then. Tell the good people of the pod where you are now and what you're right. doing. Yeah, so uh, I think I've moved. I'm now living in Austin, Texas. I am professor of church history and dean of community life here at Seminary Southwest, one of our Episcopal Church seminaries. And I'm ordained now. Nice. Uh, I'm a priest. So lots changed <laughs> since <laughs> the last time I was on this show. Congratulations. You're praying over bread, handing out blessings. Wow. Right. Left and right. Don't it out. <laughs> All right. So this time around for the Sacred Six, we're diving deep, deep into the world of Major League Baseball. I have to say, we haven't done many sports-themed episodes of the pod, so it will be good to dig into the old American pastime. We're going to do something that may be interesting, may be sacrilege. We'll just have to see how it goes. We've chosen six moments in baseball history and paired them with a sacrament from the church. Dan, is this a bad idea already? My wife and daughter think so, absolutely. Uh, my daughter, sounds great, cringed visibly. 
And my wife said, I don't understand how this is going to work. And she's a big baseball fan. So uh, the family is waiting with bated breath. This is going to be interesting. The The verbal gymnastics that you're about to hear over the next six months are just going to be incredible. Okay, so here's how it's going to go. We're leading off with baptism, naturally. And to explore that theme, we'll be going way back to April 15th, 1947, the day that Jackie Robinson ran out onto Ebbets Field to play second base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Before we get started, Dan, what's the appeal of the game of baseball for you? Wow. Well, deeply family ties, deeply cultural. I grew up in Northern Connecticut, uh, Windsor, Connecticut, right near the capital, Hartford. I'm a third generation Boston Red Sox fan. Mm. My grandfather was born the year the last time they'd won the World Series, 1918, for most of my life, at least. It's what we talked about. It was the uh, backdrop to dinners, listen to the Red Sox game on WTIC 1080 AM, uh, Mm -hmm. watching the Red Sox and Channel 38 from Boston. And it, it was something at least we used to all be able to gather around and talk about and compare notes on. It was one of those glues that held us together. At least, uh, I think this will be a theme we get to later, at least in the pre-cable TV era. Right. Yeah, for me, it was always a way of measuring time mm-hmm. because I guess it's unique to baseball. I mean, for the, let's think, I guess I'm speaking on behalf of like the four sort of major team sports in the U.S., but every other sport kind of crosses over from one year to another, right? So basketball starts at the end of one year, finishes the beginning of the next year. Football, you know, same thing, end of one year going into the next year. Baseball is just wholly contained into one year. So it's easy to sort of think of the different seasons in like the years. As a matter of fact, there was a moment in my life, I don't know if I can still do it or not, And there was a time where I could tell you the World Series winner from 1985 to the present, because it was just easy to kind of keep track of time. I just assigned a year to a team, you know? And so I I like that sort of contained nature of the baseball season. Yeah, yeah, definitely baseball's way of marking time and then the potential timelessness of baseball. Like, theoretically, a baseball game could go on forever. Right. You know, the, the author, W.P. Kinsella, and, uh, his novel, The Iowa Baseball Confederacy, really plays with the idea of this, like, fantastically long baseball game. Um, so there's something idealized, right? It, it's timeless. It can contain time. It marks time. It links us to the past. I think all those aspects definitely are part of that, this rhythming of time. Yeah. So that's probably a good segue to get us to a conversation about Jackie Robinson, I'll put you on the spot. If you had to give a thumbnail sort of history of the lead up to Jackie Robinson's start on April 15th, 1947, what would you say was the history of baseball up to that point? You know, baseball really is probably into like its third era on the cusp of a third era, right? There was kind of the formative years, let's say 1870s. Right. Post-war. Yeah. Post-Civil War, where it become, begins to coalesce as this national game mm-hmm. um, to the breakout of Babe Ruth and the end of the so-called dead ball era. So 1920 or so, this period where 
America with the development of radio technology really does become the glue that binds the country together. And then we're at the end of the Second World War. And there has been, uh, I'm speaking here as the historian, this uh, pressing question of the role of returning black GIs and civil society. We can come and fight for this country, but we can't play baseball in the same field. Like, there's right. all this they can't do at the same time, right? The GI Bill is actually highly racist. Uh, black GIs are not allowed to participate in the GI Bill the same way returning white GIs are. Um, federal home loans aren't available to them in the same way. Uh, so Jackie Robinson breaking in is going to, I think, you can argue, signal the next phase of baseball alongside American society. Yeah, 1947. What a wild year, because you have to think that it's tied to sort of, you know, the return of World War II and this new thought of what America is as a country. And that's got to play into Branch Rickey's mind of, well, who can I have play for my baseball team? Right. And Um, I think we can't leave out the story here is that there's been a parallel baseball universe of the Negro League. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, with greats like Jackie Robinson, but Satchel Paige and uh, Cool Papa Bell and mm-hmm. you know all, all these other folks who aren't who, who haven't yet received the shot at playing on a level playing field. Can I tell you, I spent a summer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2002, and uh, the church that I was interning at, they ran a vacation Bible school for kids in the homestead neighborhood of Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of when we got to the church in homestead was, oh my God, the grays played here. I can't believe I'm in the same place where the homestead grays played baseball. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I think 1947 is fascinating because it's this, it's this kind of in between space where it's like, we still have, all of this civil rights work that's about to happen. This is a very hard world for him to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Brooklyn, which is which is very sort of working class baseball team anyway. You know, it's 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 not it's not like the Giants who are playing in the polo grounds or you know the Yankees who are going to have a long time before they get integrated. Yeah, the Dodgers kind of make sense as a landing spot, even though it seems really early in our nation's history for um, this kind of racial uh, barrier to be broken. They would become the boys of summer. Jackie Robinson, though not embraced by all of his teammates, did indeed win them over one by one. Pee Wee Reese, another Southerner, was the first to really embrace him. Pee Wee, from the outset, felt that if I were the only white guy trying to break into all black league. I don't want somebody to be my friend. And he says, if Jackie Robinson has the ability and he can make it, that's all I'm going to ask. We had some deep South boys on there, you know, down in Alabama and Georgia, and they didn't appreciate it at all. And if you sat down and played cards with Jackie or something, they would let you know about it. You know, hi, in the world, can you sit down and play with us, so-and-so? Hey, man, he seemed like a pretty nice guy to me. To Philadelphia. Jackie Robinson was the most hated man in the world. There was no one else who could comprehend his loneliness, his isolation. It wasn't until the Dodgers went on the road 
and his teammates saw how he was turned away at the front desk of the hotels, that even a hardcore Southerner like Eddie Stanky could see that this was a social injustice. Well, we'd go into St. Louis on the bus, and poor Jack had to go to another hotel. That's pretty hard to live with. Sure he had it, but, he, but uh, never changed his personality or, or his thoughts about the game. When that game started, that first pitch, he was all ball player and all man. What do you feel when you look at old, old footage of, of this game? You know, uh, I, it, it just reminds me that segregation is a choice, right? Like baseball chose to be segregated. If you look back at some of the early history of baseball, we do have integrated teams. We have Afro-Caribbean players, um, Latin American players who skin color is darker and they're permitted to play. And then all of a sudden they're not permitted to play. So we, the sport chose to segregate and now it's making a choice to desegregate. So it just reminds me of how arbitrary <laughs> some right. of the divisions are, right? And so it didn't have to be this way, right? Like the, the narrative of the sport could have been different. Satchel Page could have been allowed to play way long before this moment in time. A lot of my thinking about this is colored by the Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman movie. Mm-hmm. Is that 42? Yeah, 42, yeah. Where, uh, you know, Pee Wee Reese comes out and puts his arm around him. I think we're going to talk about this when uh, when we talk about Hank Aaron next time, too, of like how many of these moments are sort of affected by other people who kind of come into the moment. And that's not to say that Pee Wee Reese is doing anything wrong. I think Pee Wee Reese is trying to, you know, signal this is our teammate. This is, you know, a member of our team, you know, but it's not sort of just Jackie running out there by himself. It's Jackie and someone kind of coming into the picture too. That's sort of the the irony of baseball, right? It's a team sport that highlights the individual at any one given moment. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no offensive line. Right. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, they're always just sort of like a unit. Um, I think that story of how a person like French Ricky, how a person like Pee Wee Reese, um, are choosing to be allies, to line themselves up with, with a moment in time. And so just as the sport was making a choice, right? Different players had a choice about how they received it. Different managers had a choice. So if we think of the sacrament of baptism as a sacrament of beginning, um, rebirth, as it, as it were. So how does that uh, help us understand this moment? Uh, in baseball? Is this a rebirth for the game of baseball? If we think about what the sacrament of baptism is, first of all, it's a baptism for remission of sin, right? It is a purification ritual. Right. I I teach the classic controversy between Augustine and Pelagius about kind of the, the human nature and what role baptism has in us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Augustine's going to want to say there's an original sin that we've all somehow contracted. Right. No fault of our own that we need individual cleansing from. That is also to be initiated into, into this new life. That's the church in Christ. Pelagius also agrees that there's this structural sin that exists in the world, but it's through what he calls a long habit of sinning of our forebears. So it looks like it's endemic and something we've inherited, but no, it's actually the culture around us that's corrupting us. 
right? And so I think of both cases, we can think of baptism as being released from something that seemed totally intractable. This idea that when Jesus is baptized and he's he rises up from the water and he sees the heavens opened, right? It's like this whole new way of seeing the world, of seeing reality. And there's something that's that's a new vision when Jackie runs out onto the field. It's like this this is the future of this game is that it is going to be open to anyone to be able to play. We're not going back anymore. You know what I keep thinking of whenever I hear Jackie's name is this is him stealing home in the World Series. It's like god, I mean what a what a new vision for the game of baseball. And what would we have missed if that didn't exist? Right. You know. Yeah, to go along with that, um, at the end of the baptism ritual, at least in our uh, Episcopal Church tradition, the congregation welcomes <laughs> the newly yeah. baptized, welcomes them into that. Baptism always means everyone becoming more <laughs> in some right. way, right? There's right. welcoming into the family. The family expands and grows as this household of God. And so, what? So the gift of this baptismal moment, where we bring in a a new vitality to the game, a new vitality to um, our national life. The style of baseball changes, right? right. You, you get speedsters and the, the Negro Leagues had their own like style of baseball that was much more up-tempo. And that really reinvigorates the game in, mm-hmm. in, in the 50s once most teams are integrated. Oh, absolutely, man. You think about those big, heavy bats of like the Babe Ruth era and stuff like that. Like you just can't sit back and wait for a 75 mile an hour ball to come right down the pipe, you know, and blast it. You've got to be able to create runs, you know, moving forward. Which, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's great. And what is the lasting legacy of this uh, moment for the sport of baseball? I mean, that's gosh, what an understanding. You could talk forever about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's the rapid integration of the yeah. sport that creates pressure on all the air sports. So you get uh, the NBA integrating fairly soon after. And again, it's not too much to state that the success of the integration of baseball leads to the success of the integration of the armed forces the next year under Truman. Schools. Yeah. And then that leads to the integration of schools five, five years after that. It means something for a sport. It means a lot for American society, as right? Well. Yeah, absolutely. Military and baseball, you know, let's and then after World War II are like the two symbols of national unity. Mm-hmm. You know, it never fails to impress me every time. You know, Jackie Robinson Day comes around in in uh, Major League Baseball, and everybody's wearing forty two and. You have that reminder of the number being retired from the game of baseball. It's just, it's so much bigger than the actual sport. We are a changed people moving forward from this moment. It doesn't mean that we're perfect people moving forward from this moment, but we are changed people moving forward. Definitely change. I think the shadow side is the now the rapid decline of black baseball players. Yeah. Black baseball players are now just 7% of the sport. It's a choice that Major League Baseball's made to not invest in black communities, whereas they choose to invest in, say, setting up academies and the Dominican Republic or Venezuela. That there's an economics here that really needs some serious examination as yeah. well. Uh, Dan, that's it. We're looking solid after the first inning. Next up, 
We'll be talking about communion through the lens of Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Dan, are you ready to take a trip to Atlanta, Georgia, home of the World Series champion? Ready to re- revisit it with Hammer and Hank. <laughs> That's right. We will see you next time. Oh!